Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Well, your child's a little immature for their age. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. One day you'll be lonely and your lap will be empty and... With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. We're not hipsters. We're too old to be hipsters. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. What are you doing being a big boy with that pacifier in your mouth? Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week, we're talking about letting kids be little. I love this topic. And my kids aren't so little anymore. Well, but I think that's what we're going to talk about because... That is, right. I remember... I've told this story on the podcast before about my sister taking her kids on like a kindergarten, first grade, like pretty littles, bus trip, field trip. She was like the mom, what do you call it, chaperone. And one of the other mom chaperones was like, this one won't sit still and this one is kicking. And she was kind of like getting very flustered. And the teacher of the class kind of put her hand on her shoulder and she was like, they're just babies. It's okay. (laughs) And it's like, I think that all the time. And Even my older children, some of whom are approaching adolescence, (laughs) you know, we had one of those weeks where like one of my guys was really struggling with just everything and we're all kind of battling colds and like you never know what's, as you say, underneath the iceberg, right? Like what's underneath it all, what the stressors are. But he was just being whiny and tantruming about everything and I was like, that's really annoying. And then I was around a couple of other kids his age and I was like, oh, that's right. Like they still do this thing where they whine and have tantrums. Yeah, they still do this thing where they offload their negative emotion. Like they need you to sort of (laughs) wipe it on, right? But they need you for that. Like help me through this emotion. Watch it. Here it is. I don't know how to express it. So I'm just gonna, you know, throw myself on the floor. Help me with this mom. And that continues longer than we might like, but they need our help. And I think especially with like adolescents, tweens, teens, that I was so struck. My best friend had a baby, you know, when we were 19. So I was like carefree college student. She was like, you know, being a mom and like raising her kid and stuff. And I remember being in my 20s or what, late 20s, I guess, being with them. And, you know, he was sort of like, you know, really like, bravado kid like in some ways like they lean into that bravado of like nothing touches me I'm a grown-up look at me and they act so mature and then at some point he 
fell and he skinned his knee and he was like, mommy, it hurts. Like he looked like a three-year-old all of a sudden. And I was like, oh my God, he's still a baby. Even though he's like 13, 14 years, whatever he was at the time. And that image has stayed with me for so long. Like right underneath that veneer of like, what's up, man? I'm going to go down and get myself a slice. Like Mr. You know, adult right underneath that veneer is like, I'm scared, mommy, help. I spent five summers as a camp counselor with middle school students, so 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. Oh, God bless you. As a Catholic, that means you will not spend any time in purgatory. You will go straight to heaven because you've done... (laughs) I will be assumpted. You've done your time in hell on earth, (laughs) so you're fine. I'm going to hang on your ankles if we go together and be like, I'm going with her. She did middle school camp counseling. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Wait for me. Yes, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And I wasn't so much older. I mean, we're talking like I'm like 20, 21, 22. Right. It's always that way. You're like 17 and they're 12. And you're like, I'm in charge around here, guys. But I will say, even at that much earlier stage of my life, it there was something about that age that I liked because there was a code you had to crack. Like they were playing it cool, playing it tough. Everything's dumb. You know, everything's weird. But if you could just sort of crack the code, they would immediately turn it into like the silliest, goofiest, giggliest children. They would become little. And I always felt like it was my goal in whatever I was teaching or whatever silly activity under the tree that I was leading, friendship bracelet making, whatever, that I was going to get them to drop the facade and be goofy little kids. And it was always right there. It was like the scratch off surface. It was very easy. Well, it wasn't always easy, but it was always accessible. And I always just sort of gave myself a little gold star when I got them to do that. When you did it. Yeah. Amy, you're leading me to a major truth bomb that I had not been able to put on in words before you just said that. But we were talking on the when is this going to be fun again episode about like, when is it fun at all, you know? And I've been noticing after recording that episode, like, oh, this is pretty fun. And I'm going to tell you what I've realized. We have the most fun as a family when we're the silliest and we let the kids be the littlest. Ah, we don't have the most fun of the family when we're like, let's go to the museum and look at the Rodin sculptures and talk about them. Like we have the most fun. We're like we were watching a football game last night. It's like, hey, let's take stupidest bets on like this game. Like who's going to be the lowest number to fall down first? Whatever. Just and we were (laughs) racking up and throwing money at each other and just being totally stupid and It was really fun, you know, but the fun is in the littleness, I think. It's not really in the bigness. Meredith Ethington, she is on Facebook with a page called Perfection Pending. So you can find her there. She says that letting kids be little means saying yes more. Tell me more. I need to understand this. I think it's true. Like, can we please stay up 15 minutes more because, you know, because daddy's coming home from the trip. Can we please, you know, have ice cream tonight? Can we please like that sort of can we please the small delights that when you can say yes to that stuff, that that you know, lengthens and strengthens their childhoods. And there's also another way, like I have a picture of my kids, a Christmas card photo of my boys when they were three and two. And my two-year-old, who's now 15, has a school bus clenched in his fist. And every time I see that picture, I remember the day we got the picture taken. He was just at that age. Like, two-year-olds are like that. My daughter used to carry a Dora the Explorer purse around. And my son just always had, like, a Hot Wheels in each hand. You know, everywhere he went. (laughs) 
double fist in the Hot Wheels. He was like handles he was holding onto to get through the world. He had the Hot Wheels in his hands. And that school bus in particular was just his constant, constant companion. And we were sort of setting them up for a cute photo shoot. And they were going to come like running down the hill. And he had the school bus in his hand. And the photographer's assistant was like, honey, give me that, you know, give me the school bus. And he sort of pulled his arm away. And I probably would have let her take it, right? I was like, all right, we're getting our Christmas card photo taken. You have to give her the school bus. Right. We have to pretend our child is normal at Christmas time. Right. The school bus doesn't belong in this photo where they're tumbling down the hill. And the photographer was the one who was like, wait, 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 wait. Is that his school bus, mom? I'm like, he's never without it. She's like, well, then why would you take that out of the picture? Like, that's perfectly him. Let him hold the school bus. And so whenever I see that picture, I'm like, right, that was a day that I actually had to be taught by somebody else. Like, who cares? Like, say yes. Let him hold the school bus. It doesn't matter. And of course, he's like smiling this big, comfortable, relaxed smile in the picture because he had his little thing, his little touchstone that he was never without. Another version of that for us is in the summer, it's ice cream dinner, which is like, well, you know, probably once a week. I was going to say once a month, but like, it's like ice cream dinner. Let's just get a big bowl of ice cream. That's what's for dinner, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's fun to find the times where it's like just fun and silly and little. And I also think, as we're talking about this, that there is a tremendous emphasis put on like maturity, that maturity is good. Being mature is important. Like, oh, and I've had people say like, well, your child's a little immature for their age, you know, in a constructive like teacher conference or whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's horrible, that's that's immature. That's like, I don't know, it feels so damning. Like, oh, but like, there's nothing wrong with being immature. And I have made this argument a million times and I will make it a million times more. Having the kid in the class who is not the fastest kid is going to work to your advantage. My, I was telling this story about my friend. <laughs> yes, it will. We were talking about her house growing up, which is like by these woods in our house. And she's like, yeah, those woods are where the cool kids would go and smoke and make out. And I would just watch them walk by from my bedroom <laughs> window while I read my book because no one invited me. And I'm like, listen, As a parent, I would rather have the nerd upstairs reading their book than the kid walking out to the woods. And like, it's fine if your kids go to the woods too. Like, it's probably no harm, no foul. But like, having a kid who's a little bit littler and not quite like, I mean, I've said this before, the only time I ever really did something incredibly stupid in high school where I could have kind of ruined my life, I was invited to a cool kids party. How this happened, I have no idea because literally no one spoke to me in high school. I was such a nerd. But at some point, I must have like, one of my theatery friends must have gotten me in somehow. And I went and the second I got to the party, the cool boys were like, we need a ride. And I was like, I don't have a driver's license. Or I, I only had a permit, like I wasn't allowed to drive at night. And they were like, it's fine. And I like, drove these boys to like go buy alcohol or something because I was not ready. Mm. I was too little to be in a situation of being with cool lacrosse boys at a party because I like anything they said I would have been like okay and I'm like here I'm like driving an unlicensed car at night to go pick up alcohol like if I had gotten like killed arrested people would have been like what a loser and I'm like I did it one time in high school you think we think that by getting our kids to grow up quickly that they're going to be safer from the world you know like you need to know what the world's really like and then you'll be more prepared for it but it doesn't always work that well like the example that it comes to mind when you're talking about this is with teenagers, there's sort of a sense that you let them drink a little bit at home. Like you give them a couple sips of beer at home and they know what it's like and they don't go to college never having had a beer. They need to know how to do this. There's a lot of people who think that. There's a lot of studies that have come out that say when you introduce sips of alcohol to 
kids and, you know, who are like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you're instead severely increasing the likelihood that your kid will grow up to have a dangerous relationship with alcohol. Like the sooner they start, the more they're going to do it. It's not a good idea, even coming from the best of intentions. I've had many conversations with parents about this because I have two high schoolers about how you have to let them do it at home so they do it safely. It's tricky. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think within your own home and your own kids, it's one thing. But like that thing of like, we're going to just serve beer at the party because otherwise they would do it. That's nuts to me. Right. But it sort of puts a general sort of it's more complicated than teaching your kids how the world works sooner is better. We'll give them a leg up on the competition. We'll make them more successful adults. It's not always the case. Sometimes the case, I believe, is that keeping them younger, keeping them more protected will make them adults that are better to handle the real world when they're adults. I think a lot of the bad that happens with adolescents especially is being in situations where they're in over their head. And like it happens a lot with adolescents because you are going to have kids when they're unsupervised, especially nowadays with phones. I mean, in our day, it was like getting offered beer, getting offered cigarettes, getting offered drugs, you know. You're nowadays, it's like, look at this thing on my phone. And there's just a lot of stuff out there that like your kid may not be ready for. And it is okay for them not to be ready for it. The thing is, like everything we talk about, it's a bit of a spectrum, right? Like, I'm also not a fan of like, never talk to your kids about drug, alcohol or sex because they're not ready for it. Never talk to your kids about death. It's too scary. I just did uh, ask Margaret about taking kids to funerals. Like, oh, well, what if my kid is scared of death? Guess what? They should confront death. It's a part of life. It's going to happen to them. And like, yeah, maybe don't wait until the first time someone ever dies to talk about it or discuss it. And like, I think we try to discuss a lot of things, but I try not to have my kids in situations. And this happens at every stage in our town. In fifth grade, the kids start middle school, which is unusual. And it's just because of like the size of the buildings in the town, basically. But like in fourth grade, they go to this school where like, there's no buses in our town. So you literally drop them off, you pick them up. Like in fourth grade, they're allowed to walk to your car. But fourth grade, you're so in a bubble. Like, mom, I'm there every day I pick up. And then in fifth grade, the kids like all have phones and start walking into town by themselves. I'm like, whoa, I don't think my kid's ready. Big swing. I don't want my kid to be in a situation where like they're in town by themselves in fifth grade. And like my kids have pushed back on it a little bit, but I'm like, I just don't think you need to be doing that in fifth grade. I mean, I will give my kid money and send them to a store to go get something and like have them try to figure that out. I think for me, it's a lot about peers, you know, like I don't want them unsupervised with a bunch of kids in situations I don't think they're ready for. It's a tricky situation, right, where you're in a group situation where the different roles are playing out in real time. My daughter's in sixth grade had a basketball game after school. Everybody was walking home. I mean, it's New York City. Most of us live in the neighborhood and you walk. Nobody's in their cars. And the kids all wanted to go get frozen yogurt on the way home. And I could see all these moms were all sort of like, are you like, what do you think? Are you letting them? But it was, I feel like we were all a little shy about just saying like, okay, what are we allowing? What are you allowing? We're just sort of all sort of, you know, holding back and watching what's sort of developing as a group. And it developed as a group. I was sort of like, okay, my daughter can go. It's going to be getting dark. Hmm. I figured out somebody for her to walk with. And in the end, my daughter said, well, it got dark almost as soon as we got to the yogurt store and somebody's dad was there. And like this dad eventually just sort of walked everybody home. He just sort of dropped everybody off along the way. Like, I think, you know, one adult stayed behind like, okay, like I'm making my own rule about this. I'm walking everybody home. And I was frankly so glad 
he did, of course, when my daughter walked in. And, you know, but it was, I don't know, it was the situation where we were all sort of like, how does this go? Are we letting this happen? And nobody was taking charge. And it was a little unclear. They're sticky. Right, because it's like different strokes for different folks. So how do you figure that out? Yeah. All right, more about that after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. I think we know that we want them to stay little because we don't want them in situations that they're not ready for. But we don't want to like helicopter them and what's that called? Lawnmowers, the other one where you get everything out of their way. Like, yeah, we don't want them to be like the boy in the bubble who then has anxiety attacks in college because they've like never been by themselves. <laughs> right. right. And I was in New York City this weekend and there was like a bunch of kids like, you know, I would say like 11, 12, 13 year old kids. And I kept noticing them because now I have kids those age riding the subway by themselves. And I was like, huh. That's quite a bit more mature than anything that my kids do. Yeah. I mean, sometimes situations demand that. Yeah. I know like 11, 12 year olds who are riding from Manhattan to Brooklyn or Brooklyn to Queens by themselves because, you know, that's how you have to get to school. And yeah, it feels like a bridge too far for me, but it's not a situation that's a hypothetical for me. So let's go back a little bit because I think with younger kids, this comes up a lot. And the places that I've noticed it, 
I think in the beginning, you're kind of set up with this idea of like developmental milestones. Right. And like you get a gold star because your kid's set up exactly at six months, you know, and you get a gold star because your kid walked before one. Like they are beating their developmental milestones. They must be extra awesome. And this idea of like your kid being on the front edge of like the next thing they're supposed to be doing kind of, I think, perniciously gets in your mind as like a good thing. Do you agree with that? Yes. Christina Kuzmich said when we interviewed her last week, she makes sure not to praise her kids for being able to do things by themselves. And she really underlined that, is that we give so many kudos. You did that by yourself. You did that by yourself. And she wants her kids to know that they can always come to her for assistance. But yes, we do, in the way we talk to small children, prize their independence and their growing up every day in the way we speak to them. And there's ways to sort of push back against that a little bit. I think that paradigm is really interesting. And like, I do think independence is a great skill. But I also understand that like, you did it all by yourself. It's kind of like you can kind of feel like, well, there's no right answer. But I think there's like a fat part of the bell curve in the middle where you're like, yes, independence is a good skill, but I'm not going to be always pushing to be on the front edge of that like developmental milestone. And I've noticed it with my kids that like, the kind of cooler kids are into like Mm. really scary movies now and maybe my kids still into marvel movies you know what i mean or star wars movies and like oh no everyone's moved on and i do find sometimes that i want to encourage my kid to be like no no no, you should get into this new thing because like you've got to stay with like the peer group somehow you know like i don't want him to be like You see it in like costumes with kids in elementary school. Like there's like the fourth grader who's still kind of wearing the Pixar costume. You know what I mean? And like they haven't gotten the memo that like, no, no, we've all moved on from that. And I have found with myself sometimes that I'm like, I need to write an article about this because I think about this all the time. I feel like the hipstery, like we're not hipsters. We're too old to be hipsters. But like... (laughs) The hipster idea of like, I want my kid to be a weirdo. Yeah, my kid wears a Ramones t-shirt. They're weird. Right. It's performative. But then when you actually have a weird kid, like a kid who is like a bit of a square peg, and like you go to the recital and like everyone's doing one thing and your kid's doing something different, you don't feel like, yeah, there's my weird kid. You're like, this is a nightmare. I just want my kid to be like, you know, I don't want my kid to be weird because weird kids, you know, get bullied and laughed at and like all these things that you don't want to feel for your kid. And I think letting kids be little sometimes is hard in that way too. Like letting your kid who still is into, you know, Paw Patrol while the other kids have moved on to Star Wars, that's challenging. Yes. And you have to let it happen. I have a kid Gosh, I think about it. All three of my kids, I'm not going to say what they do because I don't want to embarrass them, but each of them have carried on doing a thing that is childlike, you know, longer than they would want their peers to know that they were doing it. Right. And oh, yes. I mean, I bet that's most kids. Yeah, it's most kids. And I guess I do feel like letting them be little means not only letting them still have those things out in their room or still letting them have those things in a door under their bed or whatever, but sort of making time for that, asking about that activity that their kids aren't doing anymore. You know, make room for that in your house for it still to be, oh, I don't know, like under a glass dome, this little greenhouse of safety for them to do what they love, even if it isn't cool. Yeah. And letting them like, I know a kid who has a lovey, you would call it. And like, it's like, 
way past the time where like a kid has any kind of stuffed animal and every once in a while just walks by it like it you know, 13, whatever, and just like, we'll take a huge sniff off of it just to be like, that's right. Like childhood is still here for me. And it's just so beautiful and lovely. And that's a good kind of metaphor, I think, for what we're talking about. Like, even a 16 year old might need to smell their lovey once a week, you know, just to be like, okay, I still got this, you know, like it is hard and scary to move on and letting them have room for their littleness. And I do want to say that like the littleness can become more private for adolescents and that's fine. It reminds me when you talk about the lovey of the book Owen by Kevin Hankus. Have you read that book to your kids? Yes. So it's about a mouse who's going to go to kindergarten and he has a blankie and the neighbor looking over the fence is like, he's too old for that. And the parents are like, oh, you're right. He's too old for that. Take the blankie away from him. He cries. He does this. And of course, because it's written from the point of view of the child, he keeps figuring out all these ways to get his blankie back. Like no matter what, he gets it back. And his parents don't know what to do because the neighbor is disapproving as if the neighbor should matter. Right. So what happens is they cut the blankie into little pieces and Owen takes a piece of his blankie to school in his pocket and the neighbor doesn't have to know and nobody has to know. That book was excellent, yet very traumatic for my child, whose security object is a blanket. Oh, she was you. like, are you never going to cut my blanket up, are you? I was like, no, I'm not going to. Don't worry. But it gets at the thing, like, letting our kids be little means protecting them from the well-meaning grandparent who's like, hey, big boys don't cry. What are you doing? Right? Or like, right. give me that pacifier. You don't need that. I had a kid who had a pacifier past his first birthday, past his second birthday, and I had a lot of adults in my life, and not just family members, I mean like people at the grocery store, right, who were like, what are you doing being a big boy with that pacifier in your mouth? And it's like, what are you doing? It's my kid. Yeah. Shush. But they, I don't know, society feels like it's our job to tell these kids to hurry up, give me that pacifier. And I would have to step in and say like, well, sometimes he has it after his nap for a little bit, whatever. Yeah, so back off, lady. Yeah. But you have to, oh, this was always my, what kind of monster, Margaret? corrects your kids' adorable mispronunciation, like the malapropisms that all toddlers have, like Pischetti or like my... Ambublance was the big one in our house. What does that really mean? Ambulance. Oh, Ambublance? And it was an Ambublance, yeah. I was like, if anyone ever tells my kid the correct word, I want him to go to college saying Ambublance. My little brother called triangles Twinglewos. And again, like, I will wring the neck of the person who's like, it's triangle. Like, like why are we doing that? Why are we... Right, we don't need your help. Thanks, Budinsky. Yeah, and it's just sort of the perfect, you know, metaphor for all of this that we have to hold them back from that. What about, there's a stereotype, but I think it can be true sometimes that there's a parent, maybe it's the dad, who's sort of pushing them, like a Tiger Woods dad, right, that's sort of pushing them to, come on, you can keep going, you can do this, and they're crying that they want to stop, and the other parent wants them to keep going. I mean, I'm going to go back to my touchstone on this, though. We're thinking about it and we're talking about it, but you cannot control other people's behavior. And like, there is a role for being like, there's a biblical passage, right? When I was a child, I thought of childish things. And now as a man, I put away childish things. There is a time where like, you are too old for certain things. And like, the people always get a bad rap for like, don't cry. But like, I often say to my kids, you need to cut that out. You're too old to be crying over that. Just stop. Because they kind of are. Like, I do think there's a role to be like, it's time to put some of that stuff away. But I also think it's a good idea to keep in mind, like, what it's serving and where it can start serving. I, we're talking about potty talk on an Ask Margaret. And it's like, mm -hmm. what you're basically teaching them is like, 
poop is funny, but you don't talk about it in church. Like it's like there are spaces and places our favorite topic for things. And I think that like when you're two, taking blankie everywhere is fine. When you're 10, maybe you just have blankie at night in your bed. Like it's fine to like get bigger and change your relationship to childish things, but you still let them have that thing in some spaces and places. Does that make sense? Yes. You said something about cycloning a couple of episodes back that you sort of, the expectation of, I forget what it was we were even talking about. We were talking about it's in studies, like you always go back and like reintroduce the multiplication tables. We're going to come back to it. And it occurred to me, I traveled with my sister for a couple of days last week. Actually, it was just one overnight. It was two days. And she had to leave her little kids behind, including her two-year-old. And when I dropped her off at her house, I went in to say hi to all my nephews and the two-year-old. And I, you know, he's very happy to see me, whatever. I picked him up. I was talking to him like, oh, what are you doing today? And he looked at me and he looked at his mom. And, you know, in the middle of a sentence, he was like, Amy, and I... And he just started to kind of like crumple a little bit. And my sister and I made eye contact and it just was clear what was happening. Like his mom came home and he didn't even acknowledge it for like three minutes. But then when I picked him up, just something in him was like, I want my mommy. You know, he didn't say it, but it just was so clearly like, is my mom going to leave again now? And Aunt Amy's going to stay here. And she came over and she said, oh, let me hold, you know, I missed you so much and just went and sat down with him on the couch for a minute. And then he, you know, ran off and got his Batman costume to show me. It wasn't. Right. But it's like that moment of acknowledgement. It's touch. He comes back. Right. And like he's a two year old that missed his mommy instead of saying, oh, what are you crying for? You know, Annie, you know what I mean? She came and took him from me and sat down and told him how much she missed him and that she was not going anywhere. She was going to stay home the whole night. It's letting them be little is like letting them come back and touch base with you and then leave and come back and then leave and come back and not be sure. Yeah, that's right. Letting them be little is not like I need to stay with him 24 hours a day because he can't handle me being away. Letting them be little is like when they're struggling with that, acknowledging it and leaning into it and like letting them have those moments. And then I think as they get older, like my thing is like, you're not allowed to cry about get, not getting out of him anymore. <laughs> like I'm done with that. That's really done for me. But you're allowed to like express your upsetness in whatever way you need to over legit things. And that still exists. And I'll give you an example of this that I think is like kind of deep. My child in second grade had an incident that I am not going to describe in any way, which was extremely traumatic for the entire class. And for the week after it, one of the things they did was like, if there's something in your home that makes you feel secure, you should bring it with you to school every day. Hmm. And so my daughter brought her security blanket every day. So it's not appropriate generally for whatever she is, eight-year-old, second grader, to bring a blankie that she sits with at school all day, you know? But there was this acknowledgement that like in this difficult time, maybe you need a little extra feeling of security so you can bring in any object that makes you have that feeling even if that person is your parent and they can sit with you all day, like whatever it is. Mm. And I think that that is really what we're talking about. Like, you don't need to bring a blanket to school every day, but like there may be things that give you that feeling of comfort. And now as we get older, we're learning what the role is for those things and how and when we need them. And I think that's really important. It occurs to me as you're saying this, so you're letting your daughter bring a security blanket to school or whatever it is, 
that's letting her be little, but it's also teaching her that she can handle this, right? That she has the tools, not like start swimming, kid. Well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that it's okay to be in the deep end with your pool float and you won't need it next week, but you need it today. That's perfectly said. All right, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hello. How old are you? Eleven. Is 11 big or little? Probably big. What do you miss about being little? I miss a little not having to go to school. Are you too big for hugs? Only in front of my friends. How old are you? Nine. Is nine big or little? Uh, big. What's better, being big or little? Little. What do you like about being little? You don't have to worry about that much. What do big people have to worry about? Good grades, they have to get a job, or... Like, because if you don't get all that stuff, you could end up being in the streets. Are there, is there anything you're too big for? Watching Paw Patrol. You wouldn't be caught dead watching Paw Patrol. You're too big for that. Well, sometimes it's make you laugh because they're just, because they're so corny. Are you too big for mommy kisses now? Your choice. Love you. I guess not. How old are you? Eight. Is eight big or little? Uh, probably in the middle somewhere. More little than big or more big than little? More little than big. That's what I would say, too. You're the littlest in our family. Yes, that is true. And what's good about being the littlest? Well, when you're little, you when you play hide-and-seek, you can fit in all sorts of good hiding spaces. What's it like to be big? When you're big, you get a job, you also get a house, you can, uh, you get your own phone and stuff like that. You gotta pay all the bills, you gotta take care of the kids. So, you're Team Little for now. Team Little rules.
Amy, I love how you said that because that's exactly like what I was trying to suss out. There's a role, like this is why the thing of like, yes, like dads get a bad rap for being like, never cry uh, or I'll kick you out of the house. Like, yeah, it's crazy and terrible. But there is a role for like, you need the armbands when you're two and then you don't need them anymore when you're four, you know? And like Mm -hmm. letting the belittle at the right phase is a part of what we're talking about. And I think that's really interesting to get to. It makes this whole thing a little bit less linear and difficult, right? You can pause, you can go back down a little bit, you can go back to exit six and then start driving north again. Like it's okay to do these things. As I was reading about like letting kids be little and why we should do it, I was reading a lot of stuff and it kind of bothered me. I have to say there was the notion that we should let kids be little. It was mostly from the point of view of like, because you will miss those sticky hands, mom, and one day you'll be lonely and your lap will be empty and meow, meow, meow. I'm like, horrible. Yeah. And I just think that's let your kids be little because you'll miss them someday. Infantilize them. Yeah. No, that's not a good idea. Have you seen Game of Thrones? That's like the lady who has the breastfeeding (laughs) 13 year olds. That's bad advice, guys. Right. But it's also like, don't do it because it's good for your like sentimental reasons and you think you won't miss it, but you will. Like you let kids be little because childhood is precious and they deserve to have those years of their lives without people taking them from them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's do it for your kids. Don't do it for your own sort of I think what I come to with this is like the way that I think about it is like, let kids be slow if that's their pace. You know what I mean? Like, let kids be slower learners. Let kids sit in their window and watch the cool kids walk by. Like, Mm. it is not your job to be like, you got to keep up with the other people. Like, that's not interesting to me at all. And like one example, and I'm going to tell you if you're listening with little kids, I want you to turn down your podcast right now because I'm going to say something. (laughs) Is everyone ready? Okay, this will take one minute. You can come back right after this. One thing I think about all this time is like kids who believe in things too late. You know what I mean? Like if you have a sixth grader who still believes in Santa, it's like, wait, should I just sit them down and tell them? And I think maybe you should. You know what I mean? Like you maybe don't want to have a seventh grader who's like, what'd you get from Santa this year, guys? Like it's a little too late. Right. There's cost. There's a social cost to that. And like, so there are examples. Okay, we're back, guys. We're safe. There are examples of times where you may kind of want to be like, you know what, kid? I think you should drop that. It's getting a little too immature and that might start. Or you can just talk to them about it. Like my sister-in-law at some point had a son who was dancing ballet and I really liked the way she handled it. And I think maybe this actually doesn't exist anymore as much, but like this was whatever, 20 years ago. And he was like, I want to keep taking ballet. Do you think I should? And she's like, here's the thing. Some people will make fun of you for being a boy who takes ballet. But some of the greatest people in the world, athletes and artists in the world are boys who dance ballet. Let's look at some YouTube videos of them or whatever. Mm -hmm. So now you should make a decision. Do you care enough that other people will laugh at you to give up your chance to like do this amazing, beautiful thing? I think that's such a great way to handle it, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, you're still really into Paw Patrol and you're in fourth grade. And the other kids think that's super lame. But if you love it, that's great. Go ahead and love it. Or you can make the decision to just play with those things at home where you love them and like talk about something else at school. Or you can make the decision to give up on those things to fit in with other kids. Like I think just helping your kids define the parameters of what it means to be making those choices is a stage we often skip. Mm-hmm. 
And we might be the person who's like, don't take ballet anymore. People think you're weird. Or we might be the people who are like, you can't dress as that for Halloween. The other kids will think you're strange. And I think it's probably a better idea to be like, so listen, you can dress as a Disney princess if you're a boy and go to school. Here's some of the things people think about that, but I'm fine with it. And if you're fine with it, go for it, you know? Yeah. Versus being like, actually, boys don't dress in girls' costumes. Well, there's a way in which that is protective of your kid. It's very like, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, right? That you're protecting their innocence and their need. And they're not going to be let down the hard way that it isn't cool to be a Disney princess for Halloween when you're in fourth grade. If you have those conversations with them while still allowing that they love it and they can do it if they want. For sure. And I mean, I do think there is a role that like, It's developmental stuff. And for people who have kids who have developmental delays, it can be like, oh, God, no, like, I don't want my kid to like, I don't want people to see this delay in my kid by letting them like, talk about this like more immature subject at school. And it's pretty weighty, like this stuff, like it weighs on your heart and stuff. And I think there are ways to just really just define the parameters for them and be like, hey, some people laugh at kids who are into this stuff still, but if you love it, I would just say, go for it. Yeah. Who cares what other people think? That's a great lesson. There's a uh, child psychiatrist named Ned Hallowell. He writes a lot about ADHD, just knows a ton about kids. And he talked about this in an article he wrote just called Protecting Childhood. I'll put the link up in the show notes for this episode and on whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. And he talks about how you sort of sometimes as a parent operate out of fear for what is going to happen to your kid in the future or now, or like people will laugh at a boy figure skater. You can't do that or, you know, that kind of thing. And so you lock it down too early out of a sense that you're doing the right thing for protecting your kid, but you're missing the direction in which your child would do the best, that you can't lock it down too early. He argues that childhood is supposed to be complicated and contradictory and open-ended. And we think it should be like a mini adulthood and, you know, a dress rehearsal for real life. And it should not. And we need to protect them. And I love that idea. And like, as an artistic person, like, I urge you to like, look at great artists. You know what I mean? Like, these are people who are not doing the same things as everybody else, you know, and you look at like, I've used the example before of like Project Runway, like you look at there's always like 12 people competing, and they're all in their own way, kind of misfit toys, you know, like they're always just very different people. They have different style. They have different kind of ideas. And often they talk about how difficult their childhoods were. Like either they grew up with like a military family and they're like a kid like making dresses when they're seven years old as a boy. And like everyone's like, oh no, this we've got a bad one on our hands. And then here they are in like the fullness of their adulthood being these unbelievably talented artists and It's like, that's kind of the thing about like fostering what your child is really about, you know? And like, I have a friend whose husband was like way too into Legos, like in a way (laughs) that was probably pretty weird as a kid, like way too into Legos. And he is now a Lego like master builder. Like he built the sets for the Lego movie and stuff. Like he's an incredible Lego builder. And that's how he makes his living. My gosh. And it's not always going to be that one-to-one, guys. Like, it's not always going to be like, my kid's a weirdo, but then they turned out to be a millionaire because they were a weirdo. Like, they may always be a bit of a misfit, but I think 
I mean, we're saying letting kids be little, but I feel like what we're arriving at is like letting kids be themselves. And that means the exploration, right? It isn't like my three-year-old loves ballet. Well, then he's going to be a ballerina. I mean, maybe and maybe tomorrow he'll be on to something else. Like it's the act of meandering and exploring and like going outside and poking at something with a stick that is really what we need to protect. Oh, yeah. By the way, that kid who wanted to dance ballet is now a PhD student in Russian and Chinese studies. Right. Like, it didn't work out in ballet, you know? Right. It's about, like, trying a bunch of stuff on. Dr. Hallowell says that we, or sometimes we don't do this this well as parents because we don't really remember what it was like to be a kid, mm. you know, to go to bed and either you, maybe you're hearing your parents fight downstairs or maybe the next day is the school play and you're so excited you can't fall asleep. Like just how technicolor our kids are and their experiences of the world. We kind of forget, I think, that we were like that. And I just think that touchstone of like, they're just babies. Yeah, they're just babies. I don't think babying kids is a good idea. But my husband and I have just had that week where like, he had a huge deadline at work. I'm coming off of gigantic disaster and stress of my own in terms of stuff I'm working on. And we just came into the weekend. And then we had like daughter's birthday party and three other huge events. And it was just one of those things where like, we're at the end of our rope. And we got into bed last night. And we just spent the whole week and yelling at our kids, just yelling at our kids in a not fun way. You know what I mean? Like, yep. because we're trying to watch the football game and we're like, we have this idea that we're, and we set up like the table full of stuff and we have an idea. And of course the kids are like standing on their heads and then rolling into our faces with their feet. And we're like, stop it. I have told you 10 times. And it's like, we're not letting them be little. That's the problem. That's what's causing this problem. And like, mm -hmm. yes, is it acceptable for like a 10 year old to be doing handstands on the couch? No. But our frustration is stemming from like wanting them to act like 16 year olds when they're 10. And that's something that I think like we need to close the mental gap on a little bit. It doesn't mean that we're suddenly like, we'll just put a trough on the floor and be animals. <laughs> like that's not the solution. Right. But there is a sweeter spot for us of like delighting in their littleness while still finding a way to have fun. I just said that that, by the way, early in the same episode, I just said we had a great time at the game. So like, I'm just, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> That's all I'm saying about my life. Right. Every moment wasn't perfectly the way you planned it would go. And they had fun jumping on the couch. And then they had fun sometimes doing the stuff you thought you would be doing. We had more fun when we let it be about like, let's bet on who gets hit in the head with a football than we did when we were like, let's eat off of this lovely spread that mom prepared. Can I give you a Ned Hallowell Quote, you are all over Ned Hallowell. Hey, Ned Hallowell. Amy totally is crushing on you in this app. I've done this episode and just read this article to you. But... <laughs> Next time, we'll just read the article. It's really good, but I'll, you can find the link. We're getting Ned Hallowell t-shirts made, guys. We'll be selling those in the merch shop soon. <laughs> Hashtag Ned Hallowell. Team Ned. He says, the best way to equip a child to solve the complex problems she will encounter as an adult is to give her a protected time in childhood to develop the muscles of imagination, the beams and rafters of optimism and hope, and the bricks and mortar of confidence that will enable her to tackle those problems later on. Boom. I'm going with Team Ned Coffee Cups, too, because like that's brilliant. Right? So we're giving them imagination, we're giving them optimism, and we're giving them confidence when we let them be little. Yeah, and like letting them figure stuff out versus being like, 
I mean, often when I find myself being like, why are you being like this? The answer is because I'm eight, you know, yeah, like it's like right. it's not. It's like, right, because I'm a baby and I don't have any sense. And because I'm 16 and my frontal lobe is not correctly formed. Hashtag they're just babies. They're just babies, guys. I think that's our takeaway. And like, if you're over babying, then we're going to have another episode about that. But like <laughs> for this particular problem, I hope you understand what we're talking about. Let's go with hashtag they're just babies. And I'm going to say solved it. Solved it. We think so anyway. You can come talk to us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. There's also a group there, which is super fun. And please join that as well. Guys, the group is so fun. Right now, there's like a conversation about what bras fit best. Yes. Useful. Everyone is throwing around like what kind of monster comparisons about. <laughs> We're still hashing that out. People are still debating that what kind of monster. Someone's like, what kind of monster uses one chip clip for multiple chip bags? I had no idea that was a crime, but apparently it is. You're like chip clips. <laughs> and I want to say that Amy has changed the entire world by getting many, many people in our Facebook group to turn off their keyboard clicks. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Some people are sad because they felt it was very satisfying to hear it. But Amy is glad because she's changing the world one silent keyboard clicker at a time. Thanks. Thanks so much. So come join our Facebook group because it's a hilarious place with lots of hilarious people. We're also on Instagram at WebFreshHellCast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And as always, we are also at our website, WebFreshHellPodcast.com. Where all the Ned Hallowell stuff will be there. And we may try to find his address so you can write him a thank you note because we really relied on him this week. He's good. And with that, guys, we will talk to you on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 